This week, focus. Welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotel's Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven, Episode 95. Can you believe it? 95. Wow. Focus, not forecast. That's what I'm calling him. Okay. You That's can... what I put in my book as well. <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah. It's focus today. Okay. High hopes. Do you have high hopes? Don't know. Don't know much about him. <laughs> no, he's good. So, no. Good job I'm here then. Thank goodness. Yes. Okay, well, let's do a quick recap here. Maurice had. Bonjour, ju- monsieur! Yeah. <laughs> He'd just been deposed, remember, in the first military coup on the capital. Yeah. He is murdered with his sons. Meanwhile, Germanus is in the Hagia Sophia. Yes. Germanus, remember, is Maurice's son's father in law. What? Maurice's son. Yeah. Got married at some point. Yeah. So now has a father-in-law, and that's Germanus. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So Germanus is in the Hagia Sophia. The army marching on Constantinople want Germanus to be the emperor, and so do many of the people in the capital. Was he quite popular? He was relatively popular, yes. Yeah. And who deposed Maurice? Well, then we have the army outside the walls, yeah. which is being led by Focus. Ah. It's now the big question, obviously, is who is going to become the next emperor, Germanus or Focus? Can I make a guess? <laughs> yes, you can. Is it, <clears throat> is it Mr. Ass himself? It might be Mr. Ass. Uh, <clears throat> we'll, we'll find out. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to catch up with this storyline quite quickly. Okay. Uh, but for now, let's go over the early life of focus. We have no idea when he was born. Okay. Possibly the 560s, but I'm going to just tell you now, I've completely made that up. <laughs> okay. I'll do. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing he's he's in his late 30s, early 40s. Upper 40s. Um yeah, 40s, mid 40s, let's say mid 40s. Right. So he's definitely born in the born in the 560s and he's definitely in his mid 40s. Well, actually, we're about to be 602, so 550s, actually. 550s. 550s, okay, so definitely born in the 550s. 556. 556. Yep, that's what we're saying. Excellent. Right, okay, next. We have no idea where he was born. Going to guess in the Empire somewhere, or at least on the outskirts of the Empire. Okay. Or at least on Earth. At the very least. At the very least, but we, we just don't know. Let's say he was born in Syria. That's not a bad guess. Why not? Let's go for Syria. Right. Yeah, so he was born in Syria in 5... 556. 556. Oh, it's starting... Palmyra. No, that, that's been raised to the ground, remember? No, um, he was born there. Oh, yeah. Just his, to, his parents were on a, on a, like a, a, a family day out. Yeah, mm. go to see the ruins. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, what's that happening? Oh, plop. Yeah. Who oh, knows? Hello. Maybe something's been built up there since. It's been a while. Yeah. Tourism. Yeah, seeing the ruins. Little gift shop or something. Yeah, okay. So he was born whilst his family toured the ruins of Palmyra. Yeah. Great. Okay. I really feel like we're in the spirit of the Historia Augusta. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yes. Okay, we don't know anything whatsoever about his family. Presumably, he had a mother and a father. One would hope. Yeah. 
I reckon mum was uh, a homemaker, as you would have to be back then. Father was a tree surgeon. In the desert? Yeah, he didn't do very well. <laughs> Is that why deserts have no trees? Exactly. Oh. Or he's very effective, yes. Yeah. Okay. Not a tree surgeon where he trims trees, as in he surgery on trees. Yeah. As in yeah. cuts open, you know, takes out the roots and stuff. And then he'd sort of hit the ground with his fist, say, damn you, not on my watch. Yeah. Yeah. Sap like spraying in his face. <laughs> yes. Great. So there we go. It's we, easy. I love history. <laughs> it's great. We know that he joined the army at some point. He may not have done. Well, no, because when he first pops up, he is a centaurian in the army. So he must have joined at some point. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe at an early time and he worked his way up the ranks. Maybe it was his second day on the job. Who knows? Yeah, true. But at some point he would have worked. And there you go. That is, um, that's the early life of Focus. Oh, good. Um, up until the point in history where we are right now. So we've already caught up with the main storyline. Oh, that's fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in 602, Maurice, in an attempt to balance the books, had decided that he was going to keep the army out in the field over winter. That, that would save some money, he thought. Maybe so happy. Yeah. Maurice's brother was unable to keep a lid on the resentment of the army, and uh, he, he ran away. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Deciding what to do, the army came upon the idea to promote one of their own centurions to lead them. Who did they choose? They chose the man with the beard and the massive scar across his face. Oh, nice. Who's yes. that? This is Focus. Oh, big scar. Yes, he does have a big scar, we do know that. Not exactly sure where, but I'd like to think it's one of those scars that runs diagonally right across the whole face. And you're wondering how the hell it didn't cut the eyeball out. Yeah, one of those kinds. It, well, it does mention it's on his nose, and it, it, oh. it I was about to say glowed red when he got angry. <laughs> <laughs> became more red. <laughs> warm, yeah. warm, warm, warm. Yeah. That's where the story of Rudolph came from. Yeah, giving a bit away on the image of face just there, but I feel that you, you need to have a picture of this man with a scar across his face and a big beard so you can really picture what he's going be like in this episode. I'll do. So, they turn to him. However, interestingly, they do not declare him emperor. Okay. No. Instead, they declare that he has got the rank of exarch. Remember, this is the post that Maurice had created for two men ruling in Africa and Italy. Yeah, yeah. You guys sort yourselves out, because we really can't help you. Uh, ha have the title Exarch, and there you go. You're in charge is over there. Sort of like a mini patrician sort of thing. Yeah, you, you can rule the land for me. You're the ward. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Focus is declared Exarch. They gathered around his tent, presumably, raised him on a shield and all declared that they would follow him wherever he led them, as long as it's Constantinople. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny if I just, like, walk down through to the toilet or something, they all follow him. <laughs> not, not now! No way! <laughs> Didn't mean literally! Goes back into the kitchen, all following him still. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness sake, man! So after a, a couple of meetings, thrashing out some ideas, mints in a bowl in the middle, they've decided that it would be best all round if Maurice was no longer emperor. The army decided they were more than happy for Theodosius to rule the son. He was fairly popular. Or um, his father-in-law, Germanus. He's all right. He could lead. That's fine. But Maurice, we've had enough of him. Yeah. So they make this decision and then they march on the capital. Now, as we saw last time, Maurice suspected that his son and his father-in-law may have been involved in the plot. We have no idea. They might have been, they might not have been. I suspect not, though, personally. But he got through the, the, the siege, didn't he? Like, unscathed. 
Yeah, but that's because they wanted them to be the emperors. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, I don't know. Theodosius, definitely. I, I just don't see Theodosius being involved. Mm. Germanus, maybe. Who knows? It does appear, however, that Focus sent a letter to Theodosius stating that he would make a really good emperor. Yeah. Don't you know? You look great in purple. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote, The forces of the Romanii will no longer have Maurice to reign over them. Ooh. So, do you want to do the job? <laughs> They're really, really posh starting. <laughs> um, want it? <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah. How's it sound? See yourself in purple there, do you? <laughs> As we saw, Maurice summoned his son and Germanus to this capital, and like you say, they were let through by the troops. And then they came back with really highly polished horses, like cleaned hooves, everything. Like they, had, they had the deal outside while waiting. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They went, rode through the ranks, getting high fives off everyone they oh, went yeah, past. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just following and polishing the horse. Yeah. <laughs> now, inside the city, if you remember, Germanus was questioned and then fled. In fact, I've only just remembered, we, we figured he jumped out the window, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he jumped out the window and limped to the, to the Hagia Sophia. Uh, and then a riot started when he decided, no, he's going to stay in the Hagia Sophia. He's, he's not coming out. So, yeah, the riot starts. The deems abandon the walls and join in. Various buildings start to be burnt down. Yay! Maurice and his family flee. And we followed him last time. Yeah, we did. So this week, let's stay in the city. Watch Maurice and his family sail off into the distance. Goodbye forever. Now spin round and focus in on Germanus. What focus is there? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Not yet. See, we should have been focus. <laughs> it should have been. That would have completely spared that confusion. <laughs> um, look at Germanus. Oh, yes, there yes, he is. there he is. Yeah, he is the only potential emperor left. Theodosius has just fled. Yeah. And the army clearly said Theodosius or Germanus. So, the people rioting, they don't stop immediately, but word starts to spread that Germanus is the only person there, and support for him starts to grow. Mm. However, what with the riots still going on, things are a bit unstable in the capital. No one's got a hold on anything. Germanus thinks he, he needs to get a firm hand on the tiller here. Right. Yeah, if he's going to do anything, he needs to stop the riots and show everyone who's in charge. Yeah, fair enough. Now, he was an ardent blue supporter, always had been. Ooh. So naturally, the blues swung behind his elevation. He automatically had the blues with him. But if you remember, the blues currently had 900 men, according to their leader, yeah. Cosmos. Uh, whereas the Greens... 901! <laughs> 1,500. Well, that's a lot more. That's a lot more, isn't almost, it? Almost double, but not yeah. quite. It's, it's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. If you're green, then it's definitely double. <laughs> if you're blue, yeah, it's a bit more. Looks to be deceiving. Anyway, it's not all about the size. It's not. That's the blues always say. Yes. Bless them. <laughs> Then they look at the floor and walk away looking a bit sad. Yeah. So Germanus, realising he needed support of both deems, sought out the leader of the Greens, Sergius. Together, they talked in private, and they reached some form of a deal. You yeah. support me? Who knows? Maybe you'll suddenly find your pockets lined with gold. Ooh. Which would just be really awkward. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to pay. Well... Just be quite stiff if your pocket was literally lined with gold. I mean, yeah, I mean, gold's quite a, a malleable metal. You'd be able to move it around. Especially if it's thin, like tin foil, you'd be able to do it quite easily. But then just tear. Yeah, it's just not ideal, is it? No, it's stupid. No. Why would he say that? Maybe Sergius then said, 
can I just have some gold coins instead? Not a much better idea. It would be better, wouldn't it? Oh. So yeah. Anyway, a deal was struck. <laughs> the conversation probably went very much like that one. <laughs> However, the Deems were not mini-dictatorships within the city. That's not how they worked. Sergius had to go back and report to the leading Green Committee. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's quite organised. Oh, yeah, yeah. These uh, weren't just sport team factions. They had turned into political entities by this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I could not figure out if the riots were literally still going on at this point. Right. Maybe they'd settled down a bit. Maybe there are literally people still running past the window, screaming, holding a chair, uh, whilst they're trying to have this meeting. Bored with nails in. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that was going on outside the window whilst they were discussing yeah. which nibbles they had on their table and yeah. and who was using which PowerPoint. Oh, I've used Arial font on mine. Arial, you monster! Yeah. I use Heimsy Roman then. <laughs> in the background. Just see a head roll through the door. Yeah. yeah. Ah, oh, Timothy. Glad you could join us. <laughs> yeah. Put up a chair. I think he's dead, sir. Yeah. So the the room quietened as soon as Sergius walked him. Shh. He, he whipped out his PowerPoint. Uh, he put across his views. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think we should support Germanus. He's made some very interesting points. Mainly, I will give you gold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> However, he soon found out that the Greens on the committee had already been talking. That's what happens when you're late for a meeting. Oh, yeah. it, kind of, it doesn't formally start, but it kind of starts. And someone's yeah. already said a suggestion. And Yeah, so they'd already been talking. And they decided that actually, wouldn't it be a really good idea to support Focus? Ooh. After all, Focus has all the pointy things. Yeah, but, strong position. Yeah, and now if we let him be the emperor, he'll be indebted to us. That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Mm. So, Sergius goes, mm, yeah, good point. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've convinced me. Soon enough, Germanus receives word that he had lost support of the Greens and decided on a course of action. Does that an action involve running away? <laughs> Not quite. He immediately announced that he believed Focus should lead them all. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Of course they should. Focus was obviously unaware of all this. He's still outside the city, setting up tents and the like. Probably looking at the walls, thinking, ooh, those are some damn good walls. Look how thick they are. That's, this is going to be tricky. In fact, we're not even near the main walls yet. They're like a mile away. <laughs> yes. Look at the moat. Are they crocodiles? <laughs> So, when a group of Greens rode up to his camp to announce that Maurice had fled and the city wanted him to become emperor, Focus must have been pleased. Ah. Probably stroked his beard slightly. Ah. Interesting. What happens next is a bit confused, uh, but it would appear that the Senate and the Patriarch of Constantinople were written to. Quick note was scribbled down. They were asked to meet outside the gates to crown Germanus. What? Not Focus, but Germanus. Germanus being a far more popular choice with those high up in Constantinople. Germanus was from the ruling class. Focus was just some idiot soldier. With a massive scar on his nose. Yeah, exactly. So... Look at it glow. <laughs> so yeah, the idea was you can get the Patriarch outside yeah. to the crowning ceremony. You could get the Senate outside as long as they thought they were crowning Germanus. They might refuse to come if they think Focus is going to be crowned. Yeah. So are they going to have sort of thing where Germanus is about to have literally the crown, well not a crown, the cloak put on his back, then gets arrowed in the face. <laughs> Just it's being placed on so it misses him. Focus jumps up, leaps in the way, 
cloak lands on him. He's now the emperor. Is that what happens? I wish that's what happened, but Germanus comes back in the story, so he's not dead, so that Aww. can't happen. But essentially slightly less dramatic, but that essentially is what happens. They <laughs> they turn up to the meeting place, and who's sitting in the chair waiting to have a diadem? Oh, it's, it's Focus. Oh, you're not Germanus. No, I'm not, but have you met all these men? Are they Germanus? No. <laughs> they have swords, though. Okay. <laughs> Emperor. <laughs> so, there you go. Focus was crowned with a diadem. He is now the Emperor. That sounds stupid now. What's a diadem? Uh, a a crowny thing. Oh, the, the, like the laurel-y thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, they spend the night outside the city walls. They party? don't go in straight away. It doesn't say about a party, but come oh, on. They did. They're going to have a bit of a party, oh, aren't they? A bit they? of a rave. <clears throat> Even if they're not partying, then Focus is at least in his tent in front of a mirror, sort of checking out his diadem a bit. Yeah. Checking out his purple cloak. Occasionally turning away from the mirror and then spinning back and then just going, Oh, Emperor, I didn't <laughs> didn't see you there. Oh, you're looking very dashing today. <laughs> Trying to walk into the tent, doing like swishing motions, get the most effective swish with his cloak as well. Yes. Turning around. <laughs> Saying things like, off with his head. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> The next day, he entered the city drawn by four white horses. No, they're, been... not, they're not white horses. No, just seeing as a white horse. Oh, they're not. No, I've forgotten what they're called now. Grey? Yeah, they're grey. Yes, yeah. yes, no, that came back to me when you started speaking. Yeah. Fine, drawn by four grey horses that looked white. You happy with that? Yeah. Okay, because <laughs> we're all about the accuracy of this podcast. <laughs> Especially this episode, yeah. He threw gold coins as he passed people. Like gold coins or goldish coins? Well, there's goldish coins yeah. at that yeah. point, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, it down like paper. This is real, sir. <laughs> but still, I mean, it was something to get the crowd on his side. Yeah. Yeah. Tokenist is just Sort of throw them towards the crowd rather than at individual people. <laughs> yeah. He immediately set up some races. People were racing and having fun in the Hippodrome. And then his wife, Leontia, was crowned Augustus. Oh. No, that would be a turn for the books. Was crowned Augusta. Oh. However, there was still trouble brewing under the surface. Amazingly, the entire city wasn't happy. <laughs> Who's this guy? One day. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't he sieging us like a minute ago? <laughs> well, as part of Leontia's crowning, there was a procession from the palace to the Hagia Sophia. Yeah. So everyone was lining the streets. This was usual. It's what what happened. Also, what usually happened was the greens and the blues would line the streets in certain places. They mm. had their set areas where they would stand and they'd shout praise for the royal family as they okay. came past and try and win favours. And this was such a tradition that their areas had become the completely set. Yeah, yeah. They went to their area to do this. It's like your seat in the lunchroom, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Your place. This is the brilliance of them being named after colours. It's so easy to just put some blue and green paint in areas, I imagine. Oh, yeah. So you can just yeah. go, yeah, that's ours, that's ours. Just some reds and some whites, just looking really sad. All three of them. Yeah, because don't forget, that those teams are still around. It's just literally no one cares <laughs> about them. Who? <laughs> the reds. Oh, don't okay. even know what that is. <laughs> Fair enough. So the deems walk out that morning and they go to their designated areas. Apart from... A group of greens. There was a group of greens who wanted to set up just outside the palace that was not designated for them. <gasps> sure enough, 
fighting starts. Yeah. Focus hears of this and sends out a man named Alexander, what a close friend of his who helped him with this usurpation. Uh, he said to Alexander, go and sort out this problem. Uh, this is my wife's day. It will not be ruined. <laughs> Alexander, upon meeting with Cosmos, remember, the leader of the Blues, yeah. uh, got into an argument with him. <laughs> this, this ended up with Alexander pushing Cosmos so hard that he fell onto the floor. Is the leader of the Blues? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> the Blues were not happy with this. And um, someone started shouting, and then someone started pushing, and then one thing led to another, and not full-blown riot, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> disturbance, <laughs> shall we say, disturbance. But it was it was fine. It got yeah. put down, okay. and the nice day went ahead. Well, the royal family came out of the palace and started heading towards the Hagia <laughs> Sophia. Do you think it was like a massive brawl, like comedy style, big big cloud of fighting in the fist, shoes come out yeah. every now and again. Then suddenly the, the queen starts coming past and they will just stop. Yeah. Arms around each other, big big smiles on their faces, covered in bruises. Hi. Wait till she's gone around the corner. Uh, Hold it, lads. Hold, Hold it. it. Okay. And she's gone. She's yeah. gone. Go, go, go. Yeah, I'd like to think it was that. <laughs> Apart from You look beautiful, Your Highness. <laughs> Simply stunning. Well, apart from at one point during the route, uh, some of the the blues who really were not happy started shouting, and I quote, Be gone! Understand the situation. Maurice is not yet dead. Which doesn't sound like a chant to me. I'm guessing in in Greek it sounded a bit better. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they were not so subtly pointing out that Maurice is still alive. This is only the day afterwards. Maurice could come back and take the crown again. You you don't think you're comfortable here. Mm. Now, Focus realised that, yeah, you know what? They've got a point. I don't (laughs) like what they're saying, but they do have a point. He fully agreed with the idea that Maurice was alive and perhaps shouldn't be. So he sent out men to track down the fleeing emperor, or, as Gibbon puts it, the ministers of death were dispatched to Chalcedon. That's a great phrase. Which I hope is not just a phrase Gibbon came up with, but Focus actually had ministers of death that he'd called upon. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) They're just all there wearing completely black, sombre clothes. There's, um, There's a band I've recently discovered called Ghost. Oh, yeah. they, they do sort of like 70s heavy metal style. So it's, it's not too rock and roll, but basically they, they dress as like the, the lead singer has different garbs and different makeup and stuff. He dresses like a, almost like the, an anti-pope, so evil looking. And he has these people in like silver masks that play the instruments and stuff. All of all are very similar. That's the image I have in my head. They sound delightful. Yeah. <laughs> They're fun though. They I'm sure they are. <laughs> Obviously Norwegian. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, the ministers of death were called upon. The band ghost. Just just them. And and one person who's not quite got the idea yet. He just came along in whatever was in the wardrobe at the time. A Hawaiian shirt, perhaps. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and the rest of the gang, let him join in, because yeah. it's very useful, but they're silently judging him. Yeah. They give him a memo of the new dress code. And... <laughs> well, very passive-aggressive. Yeah. 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 Anyway, they were released off to kill Maurice. Focus, therefore, was very relieved shortly afterwards... When a box arrived. Ooh, a box. A present. Wonderful. Yay! Hazard a guess what's inside the box? Some sort of head. More heads rather oh, than head. Big yeah. box then. <laughs> big box, yeah. This was Maurice's head and most of his son's heads. Okay. 
Focus, place them on spikes for all the city to see. Maurice is no longer alive. I am your emperor. A clear message. However, there was one small problem. It's fine having Maurice and all of his son's heads. Well, but he didn't. Theodosius's head was not there. Now, you may remember that Maurice sent his son off to Persia to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then apparently changed his mind and recalled him. We won't beg for help, we'll accept our fate, said Maurice. Whilst I imagine his sons went, will we? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, it's hard to tell whether this is true or not, but if it is true, then it would appear that Theodosius had not made it back to his father by the time that the ministers of death had shown up and called Maurice. So Maurice and most his sons were killed. Theodosius is in the wind. Okay. Another question arose. What to do with Constantina, Maurice's wife, and the daughters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Now, focus not wanting to appear too cool, put them under house arrest. Okay. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Oh, the way you're saying that, though. <laughs> what? It is nice. It's yeah. fine. House arrest. It's all good. Fortunately for focus... Soon after, a message came through that Theodosius had been caught and killed. Oh, yay. Honest. Ah. (laughs) Is there a head with that message? No, no, we um, forgot the head, sorry. But he's definitely dead. Definitely. He is definitely dead. Should I put a box around his name or not? Theodosius? Mm. No. (laughs) All right. No, don't bother. But just know that he's definitely, definitely dead. Okay. Yeah. So, no head to go with the others that were turning a bit putrid by this point. Ugh, green. Yeah. Um, he wasn't able to complete his collection. It's annoying when say, you can't complete yeah, a set. Yeah, that one that you desperately need. Yeah. But it's fine. He's dead. He won't come back to haunt us. Now, whether Focus believed the report that Theodosius was dead or not, we just don't know. But we do know that many others did not believe this. And soon enough, rumours of an avenging prince sweeping back to the city started to sweep through Constantinople. Avenging prince. Not only this, but Constantina was also not happy being under house arrest, apparently. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Something to do with her husband and all her sons being slaughtered in front of her very eyes. Something like that. Yeah, well, she was not a woman to take things like this lying down, and she snuck out and headed towards the Hagia Sophia, where all the action takes place, apparently. When she was there, she attempted to raise support for a coup. She was able to get support from none other than Germanus. Oh, I I thought he'd have been killed off. Not yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Germanus presumably was feeling a bit sore about getting so close to the throne, but um, not quite making it. Uh, decided, yeah, let's throw my support in with Constantina. Plus, don't forget, they are related through marriage. That's true. And who is this focus guy? So it's understandable he's taken Constantina's side here. It's all about family. Yeah, exactly. So the attempt was put together, and it failed completely miserably. All right. Yeah, um, support for focus was still strong at this point, and the plot was discovered after the Greens were bribed with not enough gold. So the Greens sort of said... Yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll help you out. What? Is that it? I'm guessing they were back in the meeting room again. Yeah. Well, she's given us this. Open little tiny purse with a few coins falling out. But Focus has given us all of this. Massive chest. Yeah. So who should hmm. we go for? Yeah. So Constantina and Germanus were betrayed. Constantina was nunned. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. A bit of nunning off to a monastery for her. Germanus was monked. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, not bishoped. His head was shaved 
on the spot or tonsured as it's known as oh. so he's uh, the whole thing or just like the patch with the, the, the top patch part was nice. shaved off he is now a servant of god you can no longer cause any problem can you germanus no <laughs> now before we go any further i should point out that focus as i've already said is not a member of the ruling class so there's a, a little bit of bias against him in the sources. So perhaps the stories that we're about to hear are exaggerated somewhat. Well, we'll be the judge of that. Well, that said, if we <laughs> believe the sources, Focus then started a purge of the city that causes comparisons to Caligula and Domitian by historians. Oh, really? Yes. Stories of torture, mutilation, stories of the Hippodrome filling up with limbs. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I'm not entirely sure why they're storing them in the hippodrome. Yeah, it would have cost them an arm and a leg. Way! And what happened to the torsos? Ew. Yeah. These are questions yeah. I perhaps don't want Maybe the answer to. Maybe they just got off the arms and legs and just let them live oh, as no, like heady. That's a very good point. That's grim. Yeah. Well, let's just say Focus was attempting to secure his unstable claim on the throne and thought uh, blunt force is the way forward. Hmm. Although he didn't stop at using blunt instruments. Ooh, Sharp, yeah. cutty ones also came in useful. Ooh, yeah. edges. Yeah. <laughs> so whilst this uh, hideous purge is going on, he starts thinking about his dynasty. In an attempt to secure his position, he marries his daughter to none other than Priscus. Oh, I've heard that name. Yes, Priscus, if you remember, was the man who had gone east last time under Maurice to tell the troops that their rations were being cut. So <laughs> poor guy. Now they had already found this out because yeah. Philippicus had already told them. So when he arrived, he was immediately stoned and he had to run <laughs> <Dude>. away. <laughs> yes. I believe you thought that last time as yeah. well. Yeah. I think we also said a stone hit him in the eye, so he's now got a stone in his eye with oh. an insult written on it. Yeah. It's the Ooh. one that says Uck Priscus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's he's still got that embedded in his eye, just to remind him. <laughs> So, yeah, Priscus is still knocking around. Priscus also was one of the leading generals in the successful invasion of the Avars. So Priscus has done really well for himself. He is a high-up, efficient general at this point, and Focus marries his daughter to him. However, despite the happy marriage, it was not long before Focus's worst fears started to come true. News came through that Cosro, the Persian king of kings, had declared that Theodosius had reached him. Ooh. And Cosro would now help get his brother Emperor's son back on the throne. Ooh. Now, whether this is true or not, we don't know. Probably not. He probably used the rumour that Theosotius was still alive as an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, now remember, this is the Cosro who's only on the throne because Maurice put him yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had to live with that ever since. Right. So this is his way of getting out from under that. Well, you're only here because the Romans put you there. He has the ball? So he has the, the control power. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So he thinks this is my chance to shine and prove that I'm not some Roman puppet. And this was seen by most as what it was, a pretext to start up the Roman-Persian War yet again. Yay, that again. Oh, yes. Focus sent an envoy to the east, hoping to talk to the King of Kings, or at least see if there was any truth in the story about Theodosius. However, 
Focus's envoy was immediately imprisoned the moment he arrived. Oh dear. Negotiations are not happening. No. Okay. No. But it's fine, because there was a very capable general in the East at this time. A man who had recently risen, but really made a name for himself, named Narses. He had managed to build up such a reputation for being brutal and efficient that according to the sources, his name was literally used to scare Persian children by their parents. If you don't go to sleep, Narses will kill you. <laughs> you don't sleep straight away, he'll come in and tear out your fingernails. He'll slit your throat. <laughs> he'll try and scream for help, but it will just gargle. <laughs> now sleep, little Timmy. Sleep. You don't want to drown in your own blood. <laughs> yeah. Sleep well. <laughs> so yeah, Narses was feared and respected. He was a damn good general. Focus, probably, therefore was... Uh, pleased that Narses was going to be there to stop the Persian attack in its tracks before it even starts. Mm. Unfortunately for Focus, however, he received word that Narses had revolted. It turned out that Narses did not like the idea of Focus being in charge, and not only wasn't helping push back the invasion, but was actively encouraging the Persians to invade. Ooh, ooh. Traitor. Well, he either believed that Theodosius was with the Persians, so therefore it's just Theodosius getting his rightful claim, or maybe Theodosius genuinely was, mm. and Narses knew that. We just don't know. Mm. Uh, historians tend to think that Theodosius is dead by this point, but there's no way of genuinely telling. He never really pops up again. That's why we think that he's. it was a lie. So he either mm. did arrive, the Persians helped him, but he died at some point, or it's just a story yeah. that Cosroy made up. We don't really know, but we do know that Narses revolts. Right. So Focus then sends a man named Leontios to go and sort the mess out. But Leontius has to split his forces to attack both the Persians and Narses. And that is... Well, it's not just difficult, it's impossible. Oh dear. Especially as the Persians were using elephants. <gasps> many, yes. many elephants. Cosro won a huge victory, managing to capture a large portion of the Roman army that was sent alive. Oh, okay. They were soon no longer alive. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. Focus, realising that he could not have such a capable commander in the hands of the enemy, wrote to Narses and attempted to arrange some kind of deal. Let's arrange a meeting here. We meet up, hammer out ideas. There must be something we can do. If we cannot join forces, Narses, then the Persians will surely defeat us. Yeah, we are screwed. Yeah. With a massive screw. So, under vows of personal safety, the Narses arrived at the capital. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was promptly arrested and then burnt alive in front of a crowd in the market. Oh. Which, correct me if I'm wrong here, listeners, but I have not come across a public burning alive of someone yet in my research, unless I'm forgetting someone. So this might be our first public burning. Hmm. Yeah. That's 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 pretty pretty grim. Oh yes. Because during that, you, we, we apparently you pass out from carbon dioxide anyway. So you probably you he's probably only in pain, like agonising pain, for about five minutes, maybe a bit less. And yeah, anyone who's like had to sit for something to download for five minutes oh, knows yeah. what five minutes of agonising pain is like. Yeah, we can totally relate. Yeah, it's uh, it's annoying. Yes. Yeah. Mildly, and I'm sure that's what he felt. Yes. This is annoying. Ooh, slight twinge. 
Now, killing Nazis solved a short-term problem. Nazis was no longer revolting. That helps. However, Focus had just deprived himself of the most capable general currently alive. One who was clearly ready to listen and negotiate, so could have brought him onto his side. Yeah. Yeah. Equally, the Persians celebrated upon hearing the news. Nazis was the only commander they feared, so this is great news. And also, children up and down the land were able to go to sleep again. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Yay! Celebrations in Persia, and a lot of dark mutterings went around the Roman troops. Yes, the only chance to have any success about the Persians is now gone. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Avars, (gasps) they turned up. Yes! They heard that this new emperor was in charge. They were not happy with the last one. He'd done things like come and invade their homeland and kill lots of them. (laughs) Uh, So they thought they'd come and check out what this new emperor's like, and... Any chance we can start up that deal we used to have with you guys, where you'd give us money and we'd pretend we wouldn't invade for a while and then we'd invade anyway, and then you'd give us more money to go away again. Any chance we can start that up again? That'd be great. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, Focus, obviously, being part of that war against the Avars, did not like dealing with the Avars, <laughs> um, started to scoff at the idea, but got halfway through his scoff. <laughs> <laughs> Because the Avars then pointed out, don't you have a war brewing with Persia? Don't you need all your troops in the east? You cannot fight us at this point. We have the best aerial fights in the world, sir. <laughs> um... You will never defeat us. Yeah, so um, Focus has to grin and bear it as he passes over a huge bag of gold to the Avars. Oh dear. So beating back the Avars really did not last very long whatsoever. Now, despite clearing the Western Front, things were still not going well on the Eastern Front. In 606, Dara, which had only just been brought back into the Empire, was once again taken. And as that was the gateway into Syria, Syria was once again open to the Persians. Oh, his home city. Oh, yeah. For the next two years, reports flooded through of Syria and West Mesopotamia being torn apart by the Persians. Rome's armies could do very little to stop them. The troops that had performed so well under Narses suffered several defeats with him not in command. The Persian army was cutting through the Roman provinces. It helped that they were claiming to be fighting for the correct Roman emperor to be put back on the throne. So the resistance wasn't actually that huge against them. They could turn up, say, look, we've got Theodosius here. They had someone by that point. Whether it was really him or not, we don't know. (laughs) But there was someone there saying, yes, I'm Theodosius. So support me. So a lot of towns and cities just went, yeah, okay, you're clearly the right emperor. Those that resisted were just overwhelmed. Uh So back in the capital, Focus knew exactly who was to blame for all of his troubles. Somebody else. Well, you're a society. There's problems in your society. Who do you blame? Oh, foreigners. (laughs) Immigrants. Essentially, yeah, the minorities. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he thinks. His troops were not working properly because of the dissent in his empire. The empire was not united enough. Many people were actually aiding the enemy. So who to blame? Well, obviously, it's all the Jews. Yeah. He announced that all Jews in his empire should become Christian. (laughs) Okay. And, yeah, no, it actually worked. It's it's quite surprising. Yeah, just overnight, all the Jews went, yeah, all right. 
Okay. I mean, we were expecting another prophet anyway, so maybe it was that Jesus fella. Oh, right, yeah. Right. And everything was peaceful. Worked out fine. O- obviously, that's ridiculous. That's not what happened. No. <laughs> this uh, edict went down about as well as you could expect. Yeah. Yeah. In Antioch, Tyre, and various other places, the Jewish population just revolted. The Persians had a very large Jewish community within their empire and treated them relatively well, at least compared to the Romans at this Mm. time, who were very gung-ho Christian by this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, as the Persians were relatively tolerant of Judaism, if the Romans were going to start oppressing them, the Jews would simply welcome their new Persian overlords. Why not? (laughs) Better being ruled by the Persians than the Romans. Yeah. In you come. Here's the key to the gate. Yeah. Well, Christians in the city of Antioch were targeted to begin with, many were killed in quite unpleasant ways, if we can believe the sources, which are obviously biased. uh, Black magic. (laughs) Well, apparently the Patriarch of Antioch was cornered, then his genitals were removed, and then thrown into his face. Yeah. That's not very nice. No, you, there were many. Slightly th- when you said that. <laughs> there were many things that you could have thrown in your face that would be unpleasant. But not your own. Beep. Your, your own genitals has got to be one of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. He was then murdered along with many others in the streets. Mm. We don't have the number of Christians who died in horrific ways, but apparently it was a lot. And then you can guess what happened. This was fought back against. And again, we don't have the number, but countless Jews were then massacred and um, chased out of the city. Whether involved in the uprising or not, if you were Jewish, you were targeted. So uh, it was generally very unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we're we're actually skipping ahead here slightly. This all starts to kick off right at the end of Focus's reign. But Mm. just to keep it tied in, just know that this is all bobbling on in the background when we go back to Focus. Because in the city also, as you can imagine, the Blues and Greens... They're not just in Constantinople. You no. Know, blue-green factions in all the major cities. Well, as you can imagine, if the cities just suddenly turn to ruin, the blues and greens aren't going to sit back and just, just stay at home and hope it all dies away. No, they're going to... No, they're going to use this opportunity to uh, attack one another. <laughs> yeah, so they do. The blues and the greens yeah. revolt as well. Blood runs through the streets of Antioch and then Alexandria. The empire's starting to turn on itself. And oh rip itself apart. Oh the Persians, not believing their luck, use this unrest <laughs> to their advantage. This is brilliant. Just turn up at the city and say, they're all dead, sir. Oh, okay. Good job. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> well done, us. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was reports of a Persian general coming across a Roman city that had been abandoned by all but the Jewish inhabitants. Yeah. So the Jews had obviously won their uprising in that particular city. And if we can believe the sources, the Persian general moved buildings, villas, etc., literally moved the buildings into Persian land and told the Jews they could come and move into their new city. All right, troops, attach the wheels. (laughs) And push! What's that? You don't want to live in Rome anymore? That's fine. Look, get the city, winch. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it up here. There we go. I didn't know they could do that. Oh, yeah, all cities can do this. Yes, right, just push, keep pushing. 200 miles that direction. There you go. So, yeah, so all that's going on. And like I say, that that kind of overlaps with the next emperor. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, just know the empire's starting to fall apart. Yay. Yeah. Now, as you might have guessed, Focus's popularity back in the capital... Sky high? 
No, actually. Oh, no. Not great. So he doesn't have a high approval rating of 90%? No, no. On the um, on the little approval rating he's got on his wall, yeah. the arrow is firmly pointing at not great. Oh, dear. Oh dear. Various plots against him <laughs> were discovered, including one by his friend Alexander. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, he pushed the, uh, the blue leader over. Well, he decided he'd had enough um, and plotted his friend's downfall. He was caught tortured and executed. Yay. However, a bigger plot at this time was, yet again, Constantina. Oh, yeah, of course. Who had had enough of being nunned. Yeah, don't want to get nunned in Constantinople. No, it's rubbish being a nun, she thought. So she started another coup attempt, one of which we have very few details, but again, it involved the support of Germanus, who equally was fed up being monked. (laughs) However, the messenger that they used to send their secret messages to each other betrayed them and took one message to the agents of Focus. The the death squad, ministers of death. Oh, yes. (gasps) Because Constantina was taken and tortured until she confessed to trying to take Focus down. She eventually, under duress, gave up the names of many high-up officials who were in league with her, the most prominent being the Praetorian Prefect of the East. He was beaten to death with sticks. Other names that she gave over had their hands and feet chopped off. Others were burnt alive. She and her three daughters were then taken to the very place that her husband and son were killed. So you're back on that harbour again? Yeah, it's an overcast day. (laughs) The boat's bobbing in the sea yet again. Yeah, they were beheaded. Germanus, we don't know how he died, but he definitely died this time. Sure, that's the trouble with torches. Not, it's never reliable. Because if, if I mean torture, I would say anything you want me to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it was Rob, it was Rob all along. <laughs> he forced me. I've not even done anything yet. <laughs> Offered you a cup of tea. <laughs> it was Rob. It was Rob. Yeah, I'll yeah. crumple like a napkin. <laughs> well, Focus came out of all these plot attempts, understandably perhaps, more paranoid than ever before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was now clear to him that the upper class of Constantinople simply would never accept him. He was also becoming very suspicious of his son-in-law, Priscus. <laughs> now, the seed of doubt had actually started during the wedding itself. After the service, festivities had taken place in the Hippodrome. Focus had walked into the Hippodrome with his daughter and new son-in-law and was horrified. Why? Because as he looked around, he saw that it had been decorated. What? <laughs> The fact it's decorated wasn't too much of a deal, but what it had been decorated with upset him greatly. <gasps> was it Hessian? Has he got a Hessian allergy? <laughs> Hemp. Maybe it was just really tacky. Oh, like 80s plastic. Just silver. Just really bad tinsel. Ooh. Yeah. It's not even Christmas. Yeah, you know that tinsel that's been in the box literally since 1982? And, and it smells. It smells. Most of the bits have fallen off. Oh. It's just really terrible. That's sad. So yeah, there was so that put a seed of doubt into his head that he was. Oh no, there is more than the tinsel. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> along with the bad tinsel, there was also on all the pillars images of himself and his wife, but then also next to them Priscus and his daughter on the same level. Oh my goodness! 
Oh, yes. It turned out that the Blues and the Greens, who were in charge of the decorations, had understandably thought that this wedding was signifying Priscus was now the heir. So they put him up there as being the Ooh. heir. Focus apparently, although wanting this wedding to create ties, had not in his head thought that this meant that Priscus was the heir. Yeah. And was not happy at all. He ordered that the leader of the Blues and the Greens... By this time, apparently, two men named Theophanes and Pamphilos. Great name. Yeah. Um, don't know what happened to the last two. No. They ran off with all their bride money, possibly. Retired. I bet they ran away together. Yeah, retired together on a beach somewhere. Controversial for the time, but they're happy. They I've... don't want people to judge them. So they're, <laughs> they're happy now. They're on a beach. See, I've got a dog. I've got, like, Thelma and Louise style. Yeah. <laughs> a chariot off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. That's... Been chased by a wild horse. <laughs> so yeah, they're gone. We've now got Theophanes oh. and Pamphilos. They were brought before the Emperor, still in the Hippodrome. They were stripped completely naked and stood in front of the Emperor's box, waiting for his verdict. Ooh. Upon being asked why they had decorated the stadium in this way, the heads of the deems stammered that well, this was kind of the tradition. This is what we always do. Yeah, it's in our contract. <laughs> By this point, the crowd were chanting that the emperor be merciful. Perhaps realising that riots would definitely follow <laughs> if he did anything else, Focus let the matter slide, but very reluctantly. It had mm. also festered in his mind after this, and he could not shake the image of crowds cheering Priscus and his stone eye. <laughs> Stony-eyed Priscus. That's what he's known as in history. Yeah. Meanwhile, Priscus had, um, over the last couple of years, started to have some serious doubts about his new father-in-law. <laughs> he's yeah. mental. Well, he kept doing things like torturing people and killing people and ordering massacres of entire peoples. Uh, it's, it's just a bit dodgy, thought Priscus. It certainly puts a downer on a Sunday lunch. It really does. What have you been up to this week, Priscus? Ah, oh, well, I've um, been getting used to my new role. Thank you very much for the promotion. You Yourself, I've ordered that all the Jews die. Oh! Right, okay. Run away. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Priscus figured he needed to do something here. Just the good of humanity at this point. Pretty much, yeah. Probably checking over his shoulder quite a few times, he wrote to a man named Heraclius. Her Heraclius? Oh, yes. Heraclius um. is the exarch of Africa. So he's in charge of Africa over there. Now, the letter does not surprise, but it probably went something along the lines of, help, 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 we've got a madman in charge, help, send men, send ships, send anything, help, help, help. P.S. Help. Yeah, I'm guessing it was something like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Focus, unaware of this, for now, started watching everything fall apart. Hmm. The plague was back. Yay, plague! And so was the famine that went with it. Brilliant. Bodies start piling up in the streets once more. Pits are dug yet again. All that plaguey stuff we discussed when we were doing Justinian, it's, it's all back. It's not quite as bad as that time. Mm. Because um, each time it came back, well, there was more resistance to it. Yeah. Uh, but it's still pretty bad here. Depends on what plague it is as well. So it could be like smallpox, it could be malaria, it could be... A bubonic plague this time. Oh, ooh, yeah. ooh. Yeah, not good, yeah. So those not dying of plague were starving. So when Focus received word that the Persians were coming through Cappadocia towards the capital itself... He couldn't really do anything about that. He watched as the Persian troops came as close as Chalcedon, 
that remember is the city just over the water to the capital. Yeah. You could see the flames at night. Oh dear. Yeah, they're they're close. This is the furthest that the Persians have ever made it into the Roman Empire. That really shows how dire the situation is, doesn't it? Oh yes. And then he hears that Africa has revolted. Heraclius has declared that he is no longer the emperor. All grain from Africa was cut off. That's food. Yeah, and they're already starving. Yeah, I was going to say. No more porridge for them. At least we've got Egypt, he thought. (laughs) (laughs) That's when Roger comes in again. (laughs) Hello, sir. More news. (laughs) Glorious day. Really do remind me of some of the older emperors, I must say. (laughs) It's that that mad twitch. (laughs) Anyway... More news. Egypt's revolted, sir. Oh, your scar's glowing, sir. <laughs> yeah. But by this point, the Greens, the faction that had supported his rise, yeah. started shouting insults at him in the Hippodrome, claiming that he was a drunk who had lost his mind. Was he drunk? I'm guessing he was probably a drunk who was losing his mind. Because <laughs> I would be by this point. <laughs> Focus, outraged by this chant, ordered his Praetorian prefect to arrest and mutilate anyone suspected of chanting. Ooh, that that order of mutilate is quite yeah, brutal. It's not 100% clear what that means, but I think this is chopping hands off. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. I mean, let's face it, if someone asks you round for a light spot of mutilation, you, you turn them down. <laughs> yeah. It's not a word that, that brings joy. No, yeah, it's no. body scarring yes. in a negative way. <laughs> yes. So um, that's not great. As you can imagine, this order yeah, led to riots, as it would. The prisons were raided and then the arrested Greens were freed. Focus then ordered that the Greens were no longer a thing. Ooh. I think he's getting desperate at this point. Just disband them. Yeah. I'm sure they'll follow the order. Yeah, that's it. Greens no longer have political power. They're no longer a faction that's recognised by the by the Crown. How do they say that? Well, th- this is one of these things that is really easy to say uh, <laughs> and next to impossible to actually do. Yeah, they, they took that about as well as you could imagine. Riots start. More. Things start burning down. However, the troops are called in, and eventually the riots were put down, but the city is a cinderbox at this point. The slightest spark will set it all off again. And yet another plot comes to light, (laughs) this time the leader of the bodyguard. But he is caught before he can do anything. He is tied to a stake and shot with arrows. Oh, that's quite lenient, actually, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, not too bad. Focus sits down that evening, probably rubbing his scar and just thinking what on earth is going on. Roger turns up. Hello, sir. (laughs) How are you? Turned out the commander from Cappadocia and the new Praetorian prefect for the East, because the last one had betrayed him, had uh, got together to discuss how to betray him. Excellent. Yeah. They came up with a plan to kill Focus during the games. The plan was to get a man behind Focus, blind him, and then kill him. Sure, it's quicker just to stab something in his neck, right? So blinding fur. Symbolic, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, this commander and the Praetorian prefect had foolishly let the Treasury Secretary in on the plot. And ah. um, he went straight to Focus. Coward. Another round of deaths followed. Excellent, yeah. Yeah. And then Roger comes in yet again. 
Hello, sir. I'm seeing you a lot at the moment. Might have managed to nip that revolt in Cappadocia in the bud, but this one's going to be tough. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Heraclius, who he had heard by now was leading the African revolt, was now sending his son, also named Heraclius, on ships towards the capital. And another family member was marching towards Alexandria. Brilliant. Yeah. So, I'll leave that one with you, sir. <laughs> Good luck. Let me go and find out which the next revolt is. <laughs> See you next week, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Focus, thinking, what can he do here? Put some feelers out. Interestingly, Heraclius's wife and the wife of Heraclius the Younger oh. were both in the city. Well, that's handy. That's handy. So, they are put under arrest. Hmm. Well, you got bargaining chip. Exactly, yeah. Don't just kill them, use them as a bargaining chip. So, just in case, they were captured, put under arrest. Now, at this time, Focus is probably starting to look around and wondering who is loyal still. There is one man he can still turn to. Tied by marriage. <gasps> he can turn to Priscus. Uh-oh. Now, obviously, he doesn't know Priscus started this revolt with his letters. So, he sends for Priscus. Uh, no one turns up, though. <laughs> Apart from Roger. Sorry, sir, I couldn't find him. Well, I could, but he was in quite a hurry leaving the city. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to bother him? <laughs> yeah. So things are not looking good. Now, Focus spends almost a year just waiting for the hammer to fall at this point. Oh, that must be a horrible year. Yeah, uh, he's trying to put down the riots in the city. He's watching as the empire falls apart. He knows the Persian army is out there just destroying his land, and he knows Heraclius is on his way. But there is nothing he can do until one morning he looks out the window to see many ships bearing down on the city. Bugger. It's fine, though. It's fine, because the city, if anything, was actually harder to take by sea than it was to take by land. Yeah, you've got Theodosius' walls. The cliffs. You've got the cliffs. So... It's fine. As long as the defences hold, it will be fine. As long as all the soldiers set their posts. Yeah. As Easy. long as the defences that overlook the harbour are... Oh, they're on fire. They're on fire. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, the Greens had just sabotaged them. Excellent. Yeah. Not surprised, though. You should have saw that come in. Focus ordered what few ships he had ready to go out to go out and meet the invasion, but it simply wasn't enough. You'd be tempted, though, like, if they asked you, like, Ah, Robert, take the boat and, and defend the city. Yeah, right. You get there. <laughs> Do you want an extra boat? <laughs> yeah. You want me to get away from you, Focus? I will definitely get away from you. I will. And once I'm away, who knows? Who knows what I'll do then? <laughs> yeah. Now, what follows is debatable. In fact, what's just happened is debatable. There is some suggestion that armies arrive on land. Uh, But we have a couple of stories what happens at the end of Focus's life. Oh, did he survive them? (laughs) (laughs) No, amazingly, he doesn't. Uh, By this time, apparently the palace was completely deserted. (laughs) Lots lots of people were volunteering to go out and fight to the death for Focus that morning. (laughs) I will go, sir. I will fight to the last. I will head towards the enemy. (laughs) Grab all your stuff, grab all your stuff. Yeah, you're really getting shades of Nero at the the last moments here. (laughs) So Focus is roaming around his palace all alone. And apparently suddenly a man named Photius enters the palace. Now, if the sources can be believed, Photius had a wife. Ooh. And Focus had slept with her. Oh, dear. (laughs) 
<laughs> just imagine that scene. Focus sort of scurrying around the palace looking for someone, and then yeah. he suddenly looks up. Ah, you! Oh. Oh, that's... Oh, dear. Photius just looking really annoyed with a club. <laughs> with Jerry Springer standing very close, closely behind. <laughs> can we have a... Can we have a word? <laughs> I've been no. meaning to say something to you for quite some time. Yeah, Photius attacked the Emperor with his fists, stripped Focus of his robes, and then dragged him from the palace to the troops of Heraclius, who had arrived by that point. <laughs> Apparently, he was then put on a ship to meet Heraclius, the younger himself, who was still on a boat. He was pulled up onto the ship, thrown to the feet of Heraclius, and I quote, Is it thus, asked Heraclius, that you govern? Focus looked up and replied, Will you do it better? Ooh. Ominous thunderclouds. <laughs> yeah, you can always really believe a quote in the sources when it actually has dramatic irony in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously that conversation didn't happen, but we're saying it did. Oh, it definitely did. Good. Yeah. And a, and a seagull flew around the boat three times yeah. and dropped a snake onto the deck. Exactly. So after Focus asked whether Heraclius could do any better, Heraclius thrust his sword through Focus. He died immediately. Ooh. Or oh. he was taken from the ship and handed to the demons who ripped him apart. Oh, that sounds more fun. Not for Not for Focus. Or oh. he never went to the ship in the first place no. and Photius took him from the palace, handed him to the mob. He was tied to a stake and burnt alive. Ooh. So those are the three options. Ah. Oh. Yeah. I like the idea of sending him to the deems and the, the gangs. Blues yeah. and greens, just like, have you away with him? In the hippodrome. Yeah. He's just pushed out into the centre. Oh. Yeah. On his own and just like one half seen his green shirts. One's blue. He looks up and goes, oh. <laughs> but as he's just halfway through saying that word, an arrow, yeah. it's been the leg. It's like, oh. Yeah. Then just... Clunk. And then just various things. Just yeah. a hammer, a spanner. Yeah. Just things start an hitting him. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> it's an orange, sir. <laughs> <laughs> They're great for throwing at emperors. <laughs> oh, okay. It's splat. Yeah. So there you go. Focus is dead. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> it's really not, is it? <laughs> He's, the, them, I, I haven't seen the Empire in this worse position since the end of the West. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. It's now falling apart. I think the glory days, like, two emperors ago. Yeah, yeah. They'd reconquered the West. Yeah. And now they're barely holding on to the, what they've got. Yeah, and there was a lot of discussion by historians, like, is this Focus's fault? Was this coming anyway? Is it the army's revolting and Focus just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time as it all fought, fell apart? And there's a lot to be said for that. But in this podcast, we're blaming Focus. Oh, it's all his fault. All his fault. So let's rate him. <laughs> hey! Fightius Maximus! Okay, well, he fought the Avars. He was a centurion in that very successful war against the Avars. Okay. So he obviously did that. Um, it's reasonable to assume that he was in the Persian War as well under Maurice, but we don't yeah. know for certain, it's never mentioned, but that happened at roughly the same time. If he was a centurion in the Avar War, he must have been involved in the other one. Yeah. 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 Uh, so there we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the flip side, once he became the emperor, yes, he wasn't fighting himself, but that's fairly standard for emperors now, so let's look at his armies. Oh dear. Yeah. 
the progress with the Avars was completely lost, and the Persians are now winning the war comfortably. Syria has gone. Mesopotamia has gone. They're raiding into Cappadocia itself. You can see them across the the bay. Yeah, they managed to get further in than they've ever got before. And and he killed the the, the one guy that could have perhaps been an asset. Not yeah. saying it would have completely changed it, but it would have at least given them a fighting chance. And you can see why he killed him, because he had revolted. Yes, but they'd be to get them onto your side. Yeah, do it, do you it. can also see why Narses would be a bit dubious. So, yeah. If Focus was sensible, he would not have killed Narses. But, but Narses wouldn't have gone if he didn't think there'd be a chance to have a conversation on yeah, his own. Exactly. You know what I mean? The fact that he turned up meant that there was a chance for reconciliation. And he, he literally killed that chance. In a very emphatic way. Um, I, I'm going to give him, like, two. And I think that's generous. Yeah, I'm going to give him a point for being in the Avar campaign. Because everything else is awful. Absolutely Good awful. point. I'll give him one as well. Yeah. So that is a two for five years Maximus. Approvium Crazium. Okay, this is his round. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, we don't really have any more details than we've already discussed, unfortunately. However, like I said, the burning of Narses, is this the first burning alive of an opponent we've come across? I, I think it's the first that I can recall. I remember there was some discussion of the first heresy laws that came in. I don't know if they got burnt or not. That's the first one. Yeah. That's anyway. Historical fact. Punishments that he gave out. Whipping to death with rawhide strips. Oh, rawhide. Beating to death with cudgels. <laughs> Beheadings, amputations, tying people up in sacks and throwing them into the sea. That's horrible. Tying them to stakes and firing arrows into them. So these are all things that he ordered, and this was not normal at the time. No. No, these were over-the-top harsh punishments. Beheadings, executions, yep, they were going on before, but this was shock and awe tactics in terms of executions. There's an element of cruelty to it. Yes, definitely. And you can kind of see why he's doing that, because he's really got a weak hold on the Empire, but it's it's not great. But it takes away his humanity. Yeah. As Gibbon puts it when he's talking about the people who were killed, their condemnation was seldom preceded by the forms of a trial, and their punishment was embittered by the refinements of cruelty. Their eyes were pierced, <laughs> their tongues were torn from the root... The hands and feet were amputated. Some expired under the lash, others in the flames. Others again were transfixed with arrows, and a simple speedy death was mercy, which could rarely be obtained. The Hippodrome was polluted with heads and limbs and mangled bodies. He was the worthy rival of the Caligulas and the Domitians of the First Age of the Empire. Which, to be honest, is a bit mean to Domitian. He's alright. He was a bit harsh on the Senate, but you don't really get the stories of full-on massacres like no. this. He's more Caracalla levels of purging and being horrible yeah. there. But Caligula cruelty. Yeah, exactly. He's a, a nasty piece of work. I wish I had more detail about it, though. Yeah. Because from what, you know, comparing him to Caligula, you've got to give him 10, in a way. But you talked about, you know, that the sources may not be 100% accurate, but don't give a damn about that. (laughs) Well, no, that is something you do need to take into account, because the sources hate him. He's not from the Roman class, so they are going to point out everything he did wrong. Who knows, maybe Maurice occasionally executed people in horrific ways, and it's just glossed over. We don't really know. That's true. Sources are... Not pleasant to him, but the difference is, I think, 
is that sources are biased against Domitian. Yeah. They did not like Domitian. They no. did not like Elagabalus. No. So these horrific stories come out. Yeah. But if you look at the big picture, Domitian's rule actually ended well. Yeah. Elagabalus's rule ended fine. They yeah. did nothing terribly wrong with the Empire, which leads you to think these stories were probably exaggerated and made up. And if you really delve into it, there's not that much there for those two emperors. However... With focus, uh, the Empire falls off a cliff, which really does make you think that there's something to these stories. He clearly was not capable no. of holding the Empire together, and he turned to violence to try and maintain what hold he has. Yeah. So I'm more inclined to believe that Focus was a bad egg I, than the yeah. likes of Elagabalus I agree. and Domitian. I'm going to give him a healthy eight. Yeah, I think he deserves a healthy eight. I'm going with you. I think he'd need to have a bit of funny, crazy to get into the really top Yeah, marks. no repercussions in this. This isn't being ridden around in a wheelbarrow through the uh, the palace. <laughs> no. no. And uh, <laughs> being boarded up. Uh, no, this is, this is just grim murder. Uh, but it's a big score for the grim murder. Mm. That is an eight. It's a 16. Success, Success ultimate. And this is not his round. <laughs> I'm surprised you have anything. <laughs> well, the Empire went in a very short reign from the relatively positive position that Maurice had left it in to the East falling, the Avars back raiding, and civil strife throughout the Empire. Yeah. The fact that he thought that this was the perfect time to introduce some religious intolerance just about sums him up, I think. He hasn't got that, that kind of political bent, has he? He doesn't sort of get... He's just reacting to something without really thinking about the consequences. That's what yeah, it feels he like. Yeah, he is incapable of seeing wider pictures, is how, yeah. he, how it comes across. It would appear he genuinely believed that if the minority groups in the Empire were just squashed down a bit, then everything would be all right. And as history has shown us time and time again, this very rarely works, and never without a great deal of pain for everyone involved. It is just an it's just not a good idea. And the end empire ends up substantially worse than it started off. Yeah, like to say we've learnt our lessons. Yeah. <laughs> we really haven't. So yeah. Yeah, zero. That is a zero for successors Ultimus. He was useless. Image However, swings and roundabouts here, because this might be a good round for him again, because we've got descriptions. Oh. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, that for a while. He was a diminutive and deformed person. The closeness of his shaggy eyebrows, his red hair, his beardless chin, and his cheek disfigured and discoloured by a formidable scar. I thought it was in his nose. I thought he had a beard. <laughs> different sources say different things. Right. One source claims the scar is on his nose. He is also depicted as having a beard, so I'm guessing he grew the beard at some point. I'll give him a beard. So that's the description of him. But yeah, apparently the scar would just get really red whenever he was angry, which mm -hmm. uh, probably was most of the time. Uh, that's good. Okay. Um, there is his coin. That's an amazing beard. It's good. It's good and pointy, isn't it? It's a good pointy that's what beard. I when I'm older. Yeah, that's really good. And also, I'm, I've included it just because I quite like the picture. If you look up his um, article on Wikipedia, mm. someone has drawn a coin based on a real coin. So it's okay. just like a coin, but with more detail. That apparently is what he looked like. Would a coin, nah, a coin would be that detailed. No, I think a bit of artistic license has been yeah. uh, taken here, but it's just nice to see something that's not a coin for a change. Yeah. Yeah, you've got got a nice big beard, a frown, and no, a weird... no scar. What's that thing on his head? Don't know. It's like a big crown with a tsunami wave on top of it. That'd be awkward it's a bit to wear. Weird. It'd catch the breeze. You'd blow over. 
He's holding a cross, but not in a kind of I'm holding a cross. More he's holding it up as if to say, did, did anyone just drop this? Yes, he really is. <laughs> yes. And he's got a really confused look on his face. He has. So he's clearly just found that little cross on the floor. Yeah. And he's just wondering, is, is this anyone's cross? It's important. <laughs> Do we need this? So, yeah. <laughs> there we go. So um, that's I, I'm, I'm happy that beards are back, to be honest. Yeah. We've yeah. not had a good beard for a very long time. Yeah. He's got a good pointy beard. And... If we go back to the coin, which we should probably judge on more, yeah. he has like a bowl haircut with a fringe. Oh, that's tragic. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? So he's got a <laughs> he's got a fringe with a bowl haircut and a pointy beard, and he's also holding the cross on the coin. So yeah. he's, he's wondering who it belongs to there as well. What's the reverse like? The reverse, not too exciting. Weird deformed angel thing. Yeah, they're obviously getting better. That doesn't look like an ant man anymore. No, it's true. That looks a bit more like a person. Mm. So, what do you think? I love I, on his real quote. I love the beard shape. That is fantastic. It's it's a good beard, isn't it? And do you know what? Even with the hair, I can forgive it. Oh yeah, no, I quite like it. Because it matches with the beard. Yeah, and he's got like a crowny looking crown as well on the coin. Yeah, he's a yeah, king. Really starting to look quite medieval kingly. Yeah, yeah, we're starting to get there. I'm going eight. I'm going to match that. I agree. So that is that's a healthy four for Imago Facius. Yes. How long does he last? That's why I'm all waiting, didn't he? I don't think it was as long as ten years. I, my gut is five years or maybe a bit more. Maybe to seven, eight years, something like that. That's my guess. Going to give it to you because you said like several numbers, but one of them is correct. <laughs> seven, five, <laughs> eight. ten, one, <laughs> eight. Yes, eight from six oh two. To 610. Nice. Yes, eight years. Which gives him a score of one. Nice. So that gives him a very round score of 23 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, doesn't make him the worst so far in season two. It's not the best, though, is he? No, Justin scored slightly below him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, obviously Leo too. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously Leo too. Yeah, bless yeah. him. He tried. Yeah. No, he Why didn't. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. One more question to ask, though. Let's get through this. Do they have a certain Gene César? <laughs> no. No, he's utterly useless yeah. and just vicious. The only thing you could possibly give for is uh, crazy, but that even that's there's not enough detail there, not enough no, juice. No, on yeah. the streets there were, but not in the story. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Okay, so that is a no for focus. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh at you, focus. Although you became empress, so it's not too much of a loser, really. It's all that we've ever done. That's true. That's a very good point. I'd like to think I'd do a better job though. My pen probably could. Yeah. So Heraclius next time. Okay. Oh, he's emperor. The younger. Oh, the younger. Ooh. Yeah, the one who was sent over. The the older one's a bit old by that point, but we'll get into that next time. Yeah. We will. Okay, so thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all of you who are leaving reviews. Yeah, it's great to, great to see that you care. Thank you. Thank you to all of those who talk to us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, don't forget you can download us on Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher. And now... Introducing... Spotify! <laughs> good voice thank you yeah if if you listen to us but wish that you could listen to us on spotify uh you now can apparently yeah i i don't think i've ever used spotify in my life nope. but i know lots of people do i'm not even sure what it is 100 uh, that's i've always thought it's just where you listen to music maybe people yeah. listen to there's, the a, there's a podcasting on it you can 
So um, there you go. Um, I hope that's good for some of you. Yeah. Okay. If not, then me. Yeah. Uh, just keep listening to it how you usually do, I suppose. Yeah. Water off a duck's back, to be honest. Yeah. But there you go. We, yeah. we did something and we're proud of ourselves. Yes. Yes. Okay. So all that needs to be said then. Until next time. Scary ships in the bay. What have I always said? One story and then bedtime. If you keep messing around, Narses will come and find you. Who's Narses? Narses is a Roman general and he doesn't like children who don't go to bed. I'm not scared. You should be. (laughs) Why? What does he do? First of all, he waits till you finally fall asleep and then he comes through the window. Like Santa! Who? I heard about it. Oh, well no, not like him. Because Narcissus comes through the window with a knife in his teeth. Is it a big knife? It's a very big knife. Just for little boys like you. Oh. And the first thing he'll do... Yeah? ...is stab it through your hand so hard that you're nailed to the bed. And then, once you're pinned in place, little Ardashir, do you know what he does? No, what's he do? He places his hand over your mouth so you can't scream, and slices the blade through your jugular. What's a jugular? It's this vein here, Ardashir. Ow! And you try to scream, but you just start gurgling. In your head, you're screaming, Mummy, Mummy, but Mummy can't hear you. You're just drowning in your own blood at this point, and things are fading to black, Ardashir. this point, Narcissus is already gone and you'll have wrenched your hand free of the blade. But all the blood makes the handle so slippy. You scrabble at the door, but your pathetic, weak thumps don't get through to us in the living room. But you're not quite spent yet. Things are going great round the sides. You're scrabbling around. It's all starting to get so cold. So cold. And one very last thought runs through your pain-addled brain. Why didn't I just go to sleep when Daddy asked you to? Why did I ask for that drink? Why didn't I just shut the hell up for once and go to sleep? I could have avoided being in such agonizing pain. Anyway, sleep tight, little Ardashir. Go to bed now, alright? Get some sleep. And now 54. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. I can't believe that is literally the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. Let's put that down. Or no, no, no. I doubt it's going to happen again. But you never know. <laughs> Delete. <clears throat> Delete everything, including the ones already uploaded. What? Not even connected to the internet. Deleting family. <laughs> <laughs> Deleting hope. Oh. Bank account's gone. <laughs> What the hell did we buy? (laughs) So the Patriarch... Did I say Patrician earlier? Yeah. It would appear that the Senate and the Patriarch of Constantinople were written to. Okay. I'll splice that bit in. Right. Um, I hope that works. Patriarch. Patriarch? Patriarch. (laughs) I'll splice one of those in. It'll be fine. Put one of mine. It'll be funny. (laughs)
Patriarch. It's because autocorrect is corrected it to patricide. <laughs> Why? I don't know, because autocorrect is so annoying. And I also constantly write about patricide. Fair enough. Yeah, daddy issues. <laughs> right. Uh... <laughs> that sounds stupid now. What's a diadem? Uh, a a crowny thing. Oh, the, the, like the laurel-y thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I thought it was like a scepter, like a big... No, 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 not one of those. You've told me that before, I was, you know... I have, this. yeah, I think I cut it out, though, so you didn't sound stupid. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do things like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. God, that's, you got your work out of that, That's where, like, you? 40% of the episode gets. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I record for six hours, and <laughs> only have a 40-minute episode, yeah. Get. 